Hey, and welcome to the Heuristics Podcast. This is Kobe Benmerch. I want to start by wishing my Jewish friends a Shana Tova. It's always lovely to be around family on the holidays. Uh, to know that you're participating in memories that will shape the lives of those closest to you, um, especially my kids. Which is why today's episode has some extra resonance for me. My guest is Yoav Reisler, an Israeli man whose two mothers were the first lesbian couple to have biological children. He doesn't know the man whose genes run through him, and we talk at length about what that's been like. It's a mode of being that is somewhat foreign to me. I mean, nearly all of us know our fathers, so we tend to take that for granted. But after this conversation, I, I can't say that I do that anymore. Um, Yoav is very brave for talking to me about this, and I do hope this will be of some use for gay parents. Um, straight couples have had what, millennia to talk about how best to raise kids, and it's easy to forget that the conversation for gay parents is only a few decades old. Uh, thanks to re relatively recent technological developments. In any event, here's our conversation. Ah, man, before we start, give me your cell phone. <laughs> I own you for the next three, uh, at least two hours or so. Yeah. I got this as a gift. Um, <laughs> I got this as a gift, this little box from someone in um, in Cincinnati, like in August. And they listened to the first episode of whatever. And uh, or I don't know how much it was. And it was about our relationship through smartphones. Um, so uh, it was a really touching gift. <laughs> um, with this sort of like Bigfoot in the middle of the table. And like <laughs> you, you know what? I'm going to put it on the floor. So that way like, if it starts buzzing, then <laughs> you won't hear me. <coughs> Are you nervous without your cell phone? <laughs> Do you feel it? <laughs> what the hell, man? You can't. You can't. Um, how, uh, how are you, man? Pretty good. Uh, I haven't seen you in how long? Since, what, since we were on that trip, right? In, uh, in the north? Yeah, I think that's right. That was, what, two months ago? Oh, boy. I lost you. You lost track of time? Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't even know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, when was the last time that happened to you? I, I know it's Sunday, but I don't know what day of the month. <laughs> I think that's right. More than six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been more than six months. Anyway, um, oh, listen, I did, I did actually, I actually wanted to get your opinion on something because I don't know if you can hear in my voice that uh, it's a little hoarse, and I don't have COVID, oh. right, which is sort of number one. But I have these seasonal seasonal allergies that every time the weather changes just a little bit, mm -hmm. it's like I'm fucked, you know. Like, like and the other. Oh, I see. Are you calling us fall week? Is that 330 <laughs> week people? Um, 330 million. No. Uh, so it's just very annoying, you know. It's just it's just coughing and sneezing and runny eyes, runny nose. That's it. Like it's 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 a cold that's too lazy, you know. Mm. Um, but I don't have COVID. I don't hear it in, in your voice. Ah, okay, good call. Well, I I actually noticed it this morning. I was kind of hoarse, but. <coughs> Aha just to prove my point. Um, 
But I was talking about this with my cousin a couple a few nights ago. Mm-hmm. And um like what what are the norms about this? You know? Like we went through this crazy two years, maybe some people are still going through it, and then the government just all of a sudden says we we're out of telling you what to do, you know, when it comes to COVID. Yeah. Um so now it's up to us to sort of decide what's what's polite and what isn't. Yeah. And so the the discussion I was having with my cousin, I, I was more sort of on the let people just do whatever they want and and he was sort of like, No, actually if if the example he gave was I think it's useful to ground this in an example is let's say my son comes home with COVID and I li- obviously I live in the same house as him. And we have this uh we have this podcast schedule. Would I call you and say, Hey, you have my son has COVID? Like so so and we came up with essentially three different um options to proceed from on that point, which was one was um I could just do nothing, right? I could just not say anything and pretend as if that's the case. Like assuming I'm not, you know, not all over my face and coughing like crazy, not totally gross, right? But if it's like asymptomatic, just show up, right? Uh, the second option is I can call you and discuss it, right? Hey, listen, my son has this. What do you think about and how are you feeling and what do you blah, 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 blah. And then the third option is I take the decision for us and say, let's not postpone it. Let's, let's do it another time. What do you like? What would you do in this situation? I think I would go two different ways. I think I'd send an article to the person that's saying, "I got to instead of saying I behaved like the first option mm. of just like not telling the person what I did and what made me feel like this. I don't know." Just second guessing my decision for what I'm doing now and how it could impact your your well being. So, for example, I had a uh, a meeting with a therapist. I think like just in the beginning of uh, COVID. Yeah. And it was just like this time that everyone was really panicked about it. Right. And I went to this meeting without telling the therapist that I got a call yesterday to someone I had COVID. So I think it really taught me the lesson after I spoke with the therapist, like after she knew that I had exposed to someone um, and she was kind of like mad or disappointed by the decision that I made. But that was, that was at the height of, that was at the height of the panic. Yeah. Right. And we know like, and, and, and people can be forgiven for reacting whichever which way they were reacting at that moment because who knew right like it was it was really scary right yeah but now you know the, the virus is is now there obviously and um and we have ways of treating this thing and and it it just it just very much resembles like the flu which if you just think about life before covid yeah. people treated the flu yeah they didn't, they didn't freak out about it right they didn't have all these considerations yeah. and f- for me you know i i am also like you i'm i'm between that second and third option right 
but I, I favor more um, the unfeeling person. <laughs> what do you mean? Like just showing up? Yeah. Just like being true to yourself without. Yeah, no, th there is something of, of like a punt in terms of if I call you and say, hey, man, what do you think? It, there's something coward cowardly about it, right? Of like, I'm putting the decision in, in your hands or in, my, in both of our hands. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure exactly, but th there's, there's, a, there's a sense of cowardice mm -hmm. in that move. And I resent also, I suppose, the, like, the what's actually going on, right, is, is you and I are having like a conversation and you're sitting in a room and like, I've been looking forward to this for a while just to catch up with you and what's so there's that one way of looking at it right and then another way of looking at it is like that i'm in a room with you but i'm, I'm i might potentially get you sick and you might get someone else sick and and someone somewhere down the line will get will, will die right mm -hmm. and that's the lens that this is used through and I, it just it just seems so extreme you know i don't know if you if you disagree or it does um I feel like the responsibility that you have for other people is something that is really being exercised by the person and yeah. stuff like that. So like your decisions should really have impact on someone's well-being and yep. someone's life and outcome. Um, but the thing is that we were living in that world even before COVID, right? Our, our, our actions still matter, right? Whatever we did, yeah. we had social circles. The things we said, the things we did, like it impacts other people's, those people's lives, and then you know, just the circle just sort of keeps broadening out outwards, right? And then we're all just sort of one family if you think about it. But so what what's changed, I think, and, and tell me if you disagree, is 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 that perception of risk, right? That something that is as deadly as the flu, and you know, is it is it point five percent? mortality rate is it you know, 0.8 is it 0.3 i have no idea right but in terms of as viruses go it's pretty it's very it's cl much closer to the flu than it is to other far more deadlier diseases out there and so what w why should we behave differently than we did before you know like for i don't know like did your moms when you were sick right and you were going to school did your mom send you to school because my parents sent my ass to school. Like, <laughs> if, I, if I had a fever, if I was puking, that was the threshold. Like, sometimes even if I have a no, no, a fever, no. But yeah, I would, I would go to school with a cold, you know. Yeah. Now imagine doing that. Like, you know, people, parents will get really, really upset, you know. And I don't, I, I'm not exactly sure how I think about that, but I do tend to lean in a, in a direction of like, come on, guys, like, this is, this is going too far, you know. I think like my mom, <coughs> um, I was a kind of like a rebel or like didn't get sick a lot. So I don't really remember if my parents, they sent me to school sick or something. Um, Do you ever remember being in school sick? Um, never. Never. <laughs> okay. I feel like I was always like um, behaving like everything was good. Um, mm. So... I didn't show like any symptoms of being sick or anything like that. Okay, so um, you could have been sick, but yeah, maybe I just like hit it. Um, Whoa! Like, 
how do you hide a cold? Um, I don't know. I think it's it's a skill. Um, I don't know. Either I I was really healthy and not like showing any symptoms, or I don't know. I d I just don't remember myself like being sick. Or wow. Okay. But um, anyway, um, so I guess you and you we we more or less agree. I think, yeah. I feel like so. So what should we do? So so you think better to call someone and say, and just uh, more or less have this conversation, right? Yeah. I feel like talking about this stuff and like leaving the decision to both people. Yeah. To to make it and not just like one deal with the consequences of the other without knowing his absence is is the best is the best way to move forward or just like to be safe yeah. and to take the safest bet that would not jeopardize his uh, well being. Like if he's canceled our meeting, but also told me that like your son is sick, I I would totally understand that. Yeah. yeah. And if you also like let the decision to like for you and me to discuss it like also come from Lobo that yeah. I would appreciate but just I think like showing up to something um, that you know um, that you know something about it and I don't it's it's just showing some sort of like like a lack of confidence in, in mm. my intelligence well, you c you could view it in another way, which is, you're you you'll be fine. <laughs> you yeah. know, like mo most. But you don't know that. I of course I don't know that, right? But yeah. but um. Uh, you know, as I said, right? This 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 virus isn't. You know. The vast majority of of of, of cases that you'll catch this thing, it, it's not going to it's not going to be anything other than at 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 worst for someone like you and me, a couple of days with a fever and, and you know, what what resembles a cold, right? Yeah. yeah. But the thing is that, yeah. like, there are circles around us and there are things that we don't say to each other. Like, I could have, like, an illness that is not really shown mm. and you would just think that mm -hmm. um, I'm young and healthy. Mm -hmm. And you don't know, like, the circles of, like, my family or the people that I'm interacting with be like in stages and True. stages of yeah so there are a lot of like things that force us to be really conscious like extra conscious about anything yeah and i think like it's really it really is something that is common in society and i'm, and I'm really grateful for like the whole me too movement like how people people are being extra cautious about sexual harassment yeah and about like i don't know bullying like as as the years um evolve um so okay that cuz there there's this there's this thread that's sort of running through the conversation which is like how much responsibility do we carry for other people and one one way of looking at this is it's probably a lot of people um uh, another way of looking at this is actually zero right where not zero but not as much as people would like or 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 we're sort of 
giving short change to people's own personal responsibility by saying, look, I'm protecting you, like we're all just sort of protecting each other, and then well, where's the adventure, right? Uh, where's you know, where's the risk, right? The sense of risk comes in, and again, I I, I really don't know sort of in where where I land specifically in, in in that constellation of stuff, but take for example bullying. You just raise it, um, <laughs> so weird. It's just life just sort of smacks you uh, unexpectedly. My son now, who just went into first grade, has a bully in his class, and. He obviously really doesn't like it um, and complains about it. You know, a couple times right now, he's he's kind of crying. Is and he being bullied? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is being bullied, yeah. Um, and a part, you know, part of me thinks if he just stands up to this bully, this this will be finished, right? But there's there's another side that, of, of there's a teacher involved. I actually don't know what's going on with this with this other kid. You know, who who knows what what kind of environment is, is causing him to be a bully, right? And there's, a, you know, so, and the, and the, and the, the, the fate of the entire class, right? Like, how does this person, this, this little kid, right, that's he's only six years old, that's bullying these other kids, not just my son, how do they, how do they deal with him? Like, is it just individually, is it just collectively? Like, do, do they all have to stand up to him? Does the teacher have to send a message that kids should stop? It's not entirely clear what I have to do as a father to tell my son. So for the moment, it's like tell the teacher that da 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 da. But if this thing continues, right? I mean, do I then tell the my son, look, you got to take responsibility for yourself and, and stand up to this guy, and 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 also reap the benefits of of that action, right? Of that move to say, you don't you don't mess with me any any longer. Like, what do you think? Yeah. <coughs> I mean, you were bullied, right? Um, I think I, w I was bullied because of of my family. Of yeah, like I was kind. I I think like I grew up in an environment that tried to make everything really normal, and the environment was not very normal. Like I wasn't given like acceptance or was given the spotlight of of showing up as as someone that has a, a unique family. The unique structure of of family. Yeah. So, so wait, your your moms were the first lesbian couple in Israel to have biological children. Yeah. So my is that is that is that even true? Like I'm sure I'm not, I'm not I have no idea. But weren't were there weren't lesbian couples before that just had sex with another? I mean, it sounds really crass to to describe it, but did they have sex? Other women had sex with a a man to have children their, of their own, or, or yeah. So. That's as, as as far as my my sister knows that she's she's the first um, she's the first girl who was born to two lesbian moms, and until then it was either um, like couples like heterosexual couples being divorced and then reunited again with their um, own sex uh, partner. Mm. Um, so they had kids. Yeah, got divorced. They had kids or. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, y as a gay person, you can't get married in Israel, right? Not yet, unfortunately. Right. Okay. Um, and yeah. So back to my um answer about bullying and stuff. Wait, um, no, no. But but just spell it yeah. out. So so your moms were the first uh couples in Israel to have a biological child, right? Yeah. My my sister is is five years older than me. Right. So now she's uh, 
30 and, and something. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 and something? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a forbidden age, right? <laughs> um, How old are you? I'm 20, almost 27. <laughs> no wonder you say 30. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think like um, in these five years between like the filming, mm-hmm. I hope that some families were able to, to bring their own children okay. out of their own native native circle. Do you know um, what the process was? Was it artificial insemination? Um, it was it was sort of like an IVF um, situation that you get like a sperm donation, yeah. you get like an egg donation from from the mom that will carry the um, the fetus, um, and then it's uh, artificial insemination in, into the woman's uh, uterus. Right. Um, like every other IVF does. Um, but yeah, I know that my mom dreamt for for years to have like her own children, and I think like um, it was just something that was so new. Um, yeah. Did uh, you and your sister are from the same mom, or each one is from? Each one is from from the other mom. Okay. Um, and and, and yeah. both of you don't know who the your father, father is. Father. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we're still like feeling like we always felt like 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 siblings, like in in every way, like in every like yeah part of like the of how to describe it. Even um, though even though biologically you're you're not related. I think like because the family was trying so hard to make it feel natural and make it feel yeah. like this is this is a new way of of growing kids, growing yeah. families. Well, so I I, I want to come back to the bullying thing, but did yeah. I mean I, I don't know what what is it like to what was it like to grow up in your house? Yeah, um, I would say like the ultimate and like the overall experience is good. Yeah. Um, I, like, there are a lot of stereotypes or, like, um, people thinking that I was born to two moms, that there was a lot of food, a lot of, like, <laughs> war, a lot of, like, um, caring from, from the parents, um, and it was, um, I think, like, the, the focus on food was not very significant because they're Ashkenazi, <laughs> uh, and they weren't, like, uh, the best cooks, but I appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, always like making sure that there's like a, a warm meal um when i'm coming back to school from school yeah were they and they were involved in your life like they yeah they were but i was also like putting limits to their involvement in, in mm. some way so one of the things that i'm not very um like not feeling really good talking about is like how bullying affected my my sense of confidence in, in my family um so for example there's like a like once per quarter you need to bring your parents to talk to the teacher about like how your studies have have, mm-hmm. have been going and stuff like that so because i was pretty um not confident in, in my in my family and was also like pretty much afraid from 
other people seeing two moms um, waiting outside of the classroom. Um, so this is something that like really affected my do you, do you recall the first time that you were teased or bullied because of your yeah mom? I think it was somewhere in like in the basketball court or something mm. and she always didn't feel it belonged in each place that that I was I was trying to go to to play as a as a kid why because I was born to a family of like three women kindergarten everything was good and there wasn't like really um, standards or gender or standards for sexuality mm. everyone was just like kids and had fun no matter what their gender was and no mm. matter what um, society looked at them and right. I think like in the first like uh, when I was eight or something there was like this separation of of kids like going either to play basketball or to play football and the girls playing other stuff. Um, and, and you didn't have any of this stuff in the house? Um, I did have this, like, both of my moms were really, like, uh, sporty and they loved, mm -hmm. they loved playing sports. And I was also good in it, but just the social interactions of people that played these type of sports was pretty rare to me because I was always like playing either with my moms or with my sister mm. but like the circles that had this stigma of gender I, I wasn't I, I didn't feel belonged in, in each of them did that I mean it's hard to know this as, as a kid growing up but did your parents did they consciously sort of remove you from those kinds of people did they sort of pocket along with their parents that you didn't play with their kids. I mean, you you went to school, right? You went yeah, to yeah. kindergarten. So yeah, I I think like they just tried to make everything look normal and like they weren't really involved in in my social interactions mm -hmm. with with other kids. They sort of like trusted that I was a friendly a friendly boy. Yeah, and was presumably had a lot of like friends and everything was good at school. <coughs> Every time I, I came back from school at the end of the day, it was just saying, yeah, everything was fun. Everything was okay. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't okay in, in some of the days. And some of the days, it, it was okay. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, this sort of, like, uh, first bullying actual conscious were when I was either caught in the middle of, like, the gender war in, like, in preschool. What? Um, sort of gender like war. <laughs> no, I, I. It's different than what I made up. Um, <laughs> okay. Like we got enough wars already, please. Yeah, that I didn't know, like if I'm, I'm, if I belong to the basketball court mm -hmm. or I belong to the girls' court playing something else. Wow, fuck. And I didn't know like where where to put myself, and because I was always like more more. I felt more comfortable around girls because this yeah. is kind of where I grew up. Were, were there were there men hanging around your house? Were there any father figure types or anything? Um, I think there was. There were figures that 
tried to make me feel like I'm kind of having like this um, father um, figure, like from uncles and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, everything, nothing was really like significant enough to make me feel like uh, I had that father attachment. Yeah, there's something also just about the consistency of it. Like, I see my three boys every single day. Yeah. And so to see how they, how I interact with their mother, right? So that, that gives them a, a way of, an example of, of how to deal with a woman that you love, right? Um, they see how I am with other adults. They see how I am with older people. Like I'm not saying I'm the b I'm the best at any of these things, right? But it for better or worse, I'm I am their example, and it's just it's just constant day after day after day after day, different situations, right? And there's a sort of I mean I know I know this now because now I'm a father and I I watched my father, and you just you're you're painting it's it's a, it's a composite, right, of all these different scenarios that you you, you saw your father, and uh, and you try you emulate what you want to emulate and then you dis discard or try to improve upon the things that you didn't like. Um, and I suppose this is this is just the process for, for every uh, boy. I think they were they were both once boys. Um, growing up in a in a heterosexual uh, growing up with heterosexual parents, right? Um, but you didn't have that. And um, so did did you have did you have friends that you like went to? Um, but got guy friends. Yeah. Okay. So tell yeah. me about that. I think I had the very small small number of um, male friends when like when I grew up. Yeah. Um, and they were aware of the bullying as well. Um, <coughs> I think like when when I was bullied, I didn't have like these male friends. Um, I think oh. I had these male friends like before the bullying and after the bullying, but I had like I didn't have like some male character or male figure in my life that could could have protected me from the right. bullying. And Someone maybe like me t talking to my son, saying, "For now, tell the teacher," but at some point, <laughs> yeah, or or like face. to have someone talk directly to the bully themselves. Like right. I had right. very strong like girl girlfriends that stood up for me and Amazing. protected me from from other like male bullies yeah that that were handed out in, in my school although that could backfire right because uh, I'm, I'm speaking tradi traditionally here but if if a male bully picks on a, a boy and then a, a, a girl friend stands up for him he might actually be entitled think okay maybe I should continue to pick on this kid because what the hell is this right yeah this isn't maybe it's not this isn't someone I should be afraid of right he's got some some uh, again I'm speaking um, crudely here but some he's got some girl going and defending himself what the hell is that yeah and maybe it was a snowball that that mm. made the experience feel felt so so wrong yeah um, how long were you bullied um, So from that from that moment in the basketball court, when you were what six years old? No, I think it was like around eight. You were eight years old. Yeah. Um, eight or six. Yeah. 
yeah, I, w- I, w- I would say like it wasn't like the same bully like yeah. all the time. Like yeah. I do have these characters in mind when when I'm thinking about the people that bullied me. Yeah, and the most iconic thing is that I saw one of them in the Pride Parade a few, <laughs> few years ago, <laughs> and it was like oh man, I just held so much anger inside of me at this point. Like you called me gay, you laughed at me like hanging just around girls you laughed at my family <gasps> and now you're at the pride parade hey wait and this pr- and this guy is gay no i don't know like maybe he oh, is maybe okay. he's not because it could, I, I mean i've been to the pride parade right yeah it's fun <laughs> yeah it's amazing yeah it's bringing like recognition to right people. right but the thing is you know there are there are m- definitely there are things that i did or said as a kid that i'm not proud of or or i would look at now and think oh don't don't do that right because we're kids and we don't we don't know what we're doing right we're, we're figuring this stuff out you know and um but i think it's forgiving it's it's something that i was hoping to get ah uh, maybe it's something that i, yeah. I will get and i'm hoping yeah to get but this this does this guy know the pain that he caused you i don't think so i don't think so right. then confront him yeah yeah, because you've you've been carrying this shit. I mean, you're twenty, you're almost twenty seven, right? And for eleven years, you've been bullied for this. Yeah. That's a thing. But a third of your life, you weren't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a long time, man. And, th- and those are your formative years, for for sure. You know. Yeah. And also, I think it's it's not something that I could have controlled anymore. I think I was bullied because of my of my environment like because of my status and not because of things that i i did like by myself what do you mean i wasn't bullied because i was a nerd i wasn't bullied because mm. i didn't have friends i wasn't bullied because mm. other things that i was entirely responsible for i was bullied because of the environment i was born into yeah um did you talk about this with your mom? I did. I did it. I did talk about it like a few weeks ago after we talked about this episode. Oh, but not, not, not no. during. No, not I in your school years. No, I was. Wow, I was you afraid. Kept it close to yourself or and your friends. Yeah, yeah, I was afraid of hurting them. I was afraid of making them regret on on the type of family that they proved. I was afraid that the bullied, the bullies would eventually hurt them. Really? I, yeah, and it's something that, as a as a as a small boy growing up in a family, I I was trying to take this um, parental position of being like a father in, in a family that has two moms already but just because I'm <coughs> but just because I'm I'm a man I need to take this ownership and I need to take this wow um, where did that come from um I don't know I feel like it was an instinct an instinct that that I had not because my my two moms were not strong enough, but yeah, 
stuff like that. They were extremely strong and they were they were protective. They were they were great. They are, they are great. I but mean, I just imagine, you know, they live in a neighborhood. They have to deal with you know the parents of the people in your class and your sister's class. Like they they have a social circle, and so all of a sudden, like this is completely not common, and they do it. And they have to live with it, right? And they have to they have to be sort of gangster about it. And be like, hey, fuck you! I don't care if you care or not. Like this is my life. This is the way we're gonna lead it. No one can tell me what's right or wrong here. So yeah. that's already it. Already, I mean, as you said, like your mother was her wish, right, to have a child, yeah. and uh, and she did it, right? So there's a there's a certain courage there that you know that is laudable, noble. So I I don't doubt the fact that your parents were were strong people. But it's interesting that you still, even though that was the case, you still felt like you needed to protect them. Yeah. And you and you can't really explain why that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I feel like I was just afraid. Maybe it was like a stigma that I, I carried throughout the years that mm -hmm. because they're they're women, because mm. because I, I I noticed this gap in in my like when I was in preschool and kindergarten there wasn't like this gender specification, and then my family didn't made it seem like there was one. And then I went into school, preschool, and I noticed that there's a difference between men and women and how people think that they are, are strong physically and mm -hmm. mentally. Um, and I think like this perception of society really influenced me to take ownership, to take like responsibility of the fact that I'm I'm a man. I need to stand up. Mm -hmm. I need to protect others. Um, wow! So, even coming out of a home such as yours, you did adopt some of the same traditional way of looking at men and women. Um, I think it was in this very short period of time. Mm -hmm. I, I was I was sort of like bullied, but then yeah. afterwards, I just neglected and protected. Do you do you think that um, you know you you <laughs> you said something that I'm still trying to process in the beginning where you said that you could hide the fact that you were sick or not you you didn't you're not exactly sure but it's possible that you did do you think that that as a result of the training yourself of when your mom asked when your mothers asked you how how your day was oh yeah it's fine <laughs> like meanwhile you were suffering like hell yeah and they believed you I suppose. Well, at least maybe you like to think that they believed you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that <coughs> they didn't believe me at some stage because I just really, like, I had, I was living in my own world. I was coming from school and just going and going up the stairs and being locked in my room and like for dinner. Um, really? Yeah. And it was like the time. Were you angry at, at your parents? Um, at some point, 
Yeah. No, I I, I know it's gonna. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was also like feeling really bad that they didn't do something else. Right. They tried to wrap me in silence and make me feel like unprotected and mm. supported. wasn't it wasn't enough for me so it's, it's, it's weird how we just keep coming back to the first uh, thing that we were talking about is that yes we need to be protected but we also need to face risk and danger right the only way that we can get tough and grow and it's the only way it works right and Again, traditionally speaking, those are the two roles of mother and father, right? Where mothers, um, they tend to be more caring and nurturing, even protective, right? Whereas fathers are a bit harsher, I suppose. But this is just because of the prototype of the father, right? They realize that there's a lot of suffering that you have to go through when you go out into the world, especially if you're a man. And your job is to prepare them for this, right? Like, don't whine, suck it up, you know, get, your life is in your hands, right? You have all the tools you need. You just have to develop them and you have to grow some character. And um, and I, I wonder if you were angry in a sense of, Maybe they protected you. Too. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, back then, like if they protected you too much, they said they wrapped you in cotton, um, and you you kind of maybe you wanted maybe you saw fathers and other kids' homes and you thought, oh, I, w- I wish I had someone like that in my house to push me and to show me what it's like to be strong and tough and all that all that sort of typically male character uh, characteristics. Um. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, if yeah. I'm if I'm putting words in your no, mouth, no. please, please, please. I don't think I, I was looking for it. I wasn't okay. like looking for for the type of family that I was hoping my family would be. Um, mm. I always felt that there was a significant difference in in the houses of of my friends from where I went with my with my French group when they hosted me. Like but what? Um, I would say. Like the way the houses looked, the kind of food that was there, uh, the entertainment that was there. Like, did you grow up with video games? No, no, okay. not at all. Um, Sports. I, I, I'm just making shit up, yeah. Yeah. Um, discipline. Yeah, I would say more discipline mm. in, in the houses that I went to. Okay. Um, I grew up sort of like. That I had the responsibility to develop my own discipline, and there were rules at other places that I went to. Oh, um, but I was already like had my own discipline, so I didn't have to mm. <coughs> to rebel or or something like that. Um, 
So what, your your mothers gave you a lot of leeway to do? Yeah, like they gave me like a lot of freedom and a lot of like amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was never like being sent to like I guess a clinic that was yeah my own room. Uh, I always was sort of was a good boy. Yeah, just trying to satisfy my parents. Yeah. And then I went to uh, my friends' houses and saw the discipline <laughs> there. <and laughs> was just really thankful for what I had. Um, cool. And also, I got a lot of uh, sense that that my friends weren't like their biggest, their their father's biggest fans. Mm. And this also taught me to not look at what I don't have. Um, mm. So I I started looking at what I don't have like it later stages, at, at later ages, uh, when the bullying stopped and I had the time to think about what happened. Um, but I think, like, at the moment, like, when I was, like, in, in school and pretending that everything was good, I, w- I wasn't looking for a father character because I thought it was a bad thing. I didn't, I mm. didn't want I didn't want a male character. A character. Yeah, yeah. I think I was. Dads. There, there can be nice dads, but typically speaking, the role of a dad isn't exactly the nice one. <laughs> yeah. You know, the mom cooks the again traditionally speaking, blah blah blah, but the mother cooks the amazing food. They, you know, they. They do. They take them out to do nice things, and the dad is like, you know. Dis- as you said, like discipline and order, and um, it's just teaching them cold the cold lessons of life, right? Which again are like really valuable, but in the moment, you know, like for example, um, I tried to teach my sons how to ride bikes when uh, when I was in um, Amsterdam uh, about a month ago, and uh, you know, for them it's just learning how to ride a bike, but for me it's 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 the value of teaching the value of perseverance of these are and you have to take these steps to get personal freedom right it's not like you wake up in the morning you learn how to ride a bike and it's so easy and now you can just go to your friend's house whenever you want right that's it doesn't work that way you've got you got to practice this thing and then and then once once you know that you're good at this and you don't fall off the bike and you know what you're doing and you know how to cross the street and all that stuff then then you're free to go right but it it does take some training and that obviously that that lesson is is applicable through many many periods of of like ev- everyone's lives, right? Riding a bike. But my eldest, um, he's a procrastinator, right? He just quit right in the middle of one of our sessions, even though he was making great progress. But he fell off the bike, and just didn't like it. And this, you know, after patiently explaining what I'm doing, this and that, you know, again, maybe I should have taken a different approach with him, but like I just was so annoyed that he was quitting on me, you know? And we got into an argument, right? And this this is probably my fault, but like what should have been a really fun bonding experience, learning how to ride a bike, turned into a fight. And now we have this this thing, you know, like the next time he sees a bike and he sees me, it's like, okay, this this asshole again, right? Um 
nevertheless, like there's still there's still a good lesson there that I hope to teach him one day. And, and you know, again, I did it I did it imperfectly, but maybe one day he'll look back and say, "Oh, you know, <laughs> that maniac who taught me how to ride a bike is actually taught me something valuable." Um, and the same goes for my other kids too. Um, but yeah, the the role of a dad is well, what was the role of a dad? In terms of what? In terms of uh, what may your son or older son will say in those years? That I, I think first and foremost that I I misunderstand him. You know, I see someone giving up for not a good reason. He feels something completely different. I think be wrong right i'm not here to speak on his own behalf um but and that's that's really not a nice feeling you know when some we all we all exist but we're never fully understood right and when someone understands you that's that's everything right and you hang on to those people forever right and um and it hurts when it's your father that doesn't understand you or your mother or whatever wife husband boyfriend girlfriend whatever you know you know you get what i mean because you're saying the same thing over and over and over and over again and you expect this person who's been with you forever to effortlessly understand what it is that the hell you're going through you're just saying and when they don't wow you weren't paying attention to me at all and uh and that that sucks you know but that's not necessarily your (coughs) fault that's just your fault it's also like the person that is trying to communicate it maybe not in the most comprehensive way welcome to parenthood (laughs) (laughs) this is actually this 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 is precisely the reason that I have come to understand my parents in a completely new light. Is actually going through it right now, and I'm I'm way more um, loving and accepting of of the job that they did. Like the, all the sort of the anger and the resentment, like most of it is gone, not all of it, because I like oh, <laughs> that's what you were doing, you know, and carrying that baggage and that weight like it's not helpful right and uh and who knows like maybe this is part of your process of working through whatever it is that happened in your house um because you'll wake up one day you'll realize that you're 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 authorizing we just got promoted right (laughs) and no but seriously you're working you're you're a key contributor to a pretty quickly growing startup. You're not a criminal, are you? No. Not yet. yet. Okay. <laughs> no, like you're you're a functioning human being that's capable of having friends. Like whatever your parents did or didn't do, like you came out okay, you know? And there's shit that you gotta work out in your own mind, right? Like it's anger and stuff, but the time will come. But okay, so that actually it's 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 um it does bring me to something that's again endlessly fascinating about you is that you 
you told me that you're also a sperm donor. So what, what's that about? I came to work knowing, like, well, uh, so far, but we've talked about it about your own life, just work, and then, and then you make the decision anyway. So what's that about? I came to work the decision to change your major was also for reasons other people, other families to bring children to them. And I also did it from... Does that mean like you close your eyes and and you see your mother, like uh, another version of your mother who's just dreaming about having a kid and you're there to help fulfill that wish? Uh, like a CB archetype in your mind? I wouldn't say like it's a... My wish to satisfy one person's um, mm-hmm. dreams wishes it's enabling and helping a couple mm. to bring someone yeah to do something that they want but the government the law doesn't allow them or like biology doesn't make it um well it, do- it does right for lesbians but it's yeah. a, it's a not a nice no like a things like process Two women, two lesbians, wanting yeah. to have um, a child born without the involvement of a male character. Yeah. That would be nice. That would be yeah. like not being reliant on, on something that they don't necessarily want yeah. in their own life. Mm-hmm. But just being this enabler, being this, I don't know, like someone who wants to help bring the family to existence and to replicate the family that I have. And it's something that I, I really wish for someone else. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You've 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 saw already come full circle and you're not yet. <laughs> I'm 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 coming towards it. But so what 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 we'll come back to the sperm, but I'm I am curious like what 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 are the things that you're still hanging on to? Like, just, just what are the residual effects of your childhood that you still are still processing? Um, I would say the sense of belonging, the what do you mean sense of existence? Um, what do you mean? I feel like. Um, have to do like this entire IVF situation is so complex for for the parents but once a child is being born he doesn't know his entire inheritance and he doesn't know he knows that his parents work so hard to make him alive yeah but then he's alive and what now wants to know his origins but he doesn't know like they're 100 percent like 100 percent sure already so it sort of like screws you into a situation that um, you're looking for you're, you're walking on the street and you're looking for people who look like you who make you feel like complete yeah like you're 
you have a point that you're trying to make out. Yeah, it's sort of like a, you're looking for attributes that you can't find in your biological. Oh, mom, whether it's good or whether it's bad, and you're just wondering like, why, why, why is it, why, why is in there? Something that that so the past year that I was trying to make. Do you had do you so you don't know your your biological father? I don't. Have you ever looked for it for him? I I did, but it was in a time that everything was really manual. Every everything was on paper. There wasn't like a a really a documentation. There is a group that is called. Akaim in Hebrew, okay. Ak children, <coughs> um, that I was introduced to when I started like the sperm donation on my own, um, and then I found my half sister that was born from from the same sperm donor. Holy shit! And I'm not saying father. I'm I'm explicitly saying like yeah 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 because I don't really know much about it. Fair enough. Um, wow. And yeah, does she does she resemble you in any way? She does. She does <laughs> resemble me <laughs> like physically, and I'm actually named her uh, in a few hours. Oh, yeah, you have a relationship with her. Yeah, she's she's great. Um, How old is she? She's three years or three years younger than me. Um, and she resembles me. Wait, how how were you able to confirm that that this person is your half sister? So, in this Facebook group. It's sort of like a a space for like for either moms or for either like like kids that were born from sperm donation yeah. to cross check and and find like <coughs> we need to give the attributes of the sperm donor that we know that our moms uh, knew and the date and and like the hospital that. The entire situation happened, mm -hmm. and then there's like a big Excel sheet that I I wasn't I was not exposed to, but when I wait, how how big is this Excel sheet? I'm not sure. I don't know. I think like it, it's a group of like. No, I'm wondering. Like, are you are you looking through fifty sperm donors, fifty thousand, five hundred thousand? I don't know. I I wasn't involved in that. Okay, I okay. was just like joining this group and mm -hmm. sharing the attributes of, okay. of like the sperm donor that I know. Yeah. Um, and the date. Yeah. And everything like that it happened and then the manager of this group just cross-checked like the attributes and mm -hmm. says that there are a few candidates that might be related to you based on these attributes and then they advise you to do this dna test um it's called family finder um that okay. i i sent my dna to and then i was confirmed i i sort of like had this Two girls that suspectedly were like half sisters of mm -hmm. mine. Mm -hmm. One was going to be in my sister through this um, confirmation of the DNA test, and the other one was not. Uh, but it's wow. an ongoing process, and so there may there may be yeah. other women or people out there that are related to you. Of course, and I think it really depends on <coughs> for how long can the sperm be preserved. Yeah. Um, yeah. After donation, but. It's a. Uh, it was really. It was really weird. Um, yeah. To make it. Really. 
it's um I, I want to come back to you know your your point about um, grounding your existence in something yes real right but I, I, I was recently reading an, an article by um this former colleague of mine Ethan Bronner lovely guy um, he wrote a magazine article for Bloomberg actually uh, the day I gave my exit interview at Bloomberg. He and I caught up for coffee and he told me about this whole Linux thing. And um, so so this article is about um, I want to call it like sperm donors of dead soldiers. So in the in the military um, there have been a few, I don't know how many cases, but the stories, the article is sort of centers around one specific story. Um, that this woman, I think she's from Ukraine. She moved to Israel. She had a child. Uh, he was serving in the army. He, he was 25. He was in a firefight in uh, on the border with Lebanon. He was killed. And they um, extracted sperm from his testicles and froze them because his mom, upon hearing the news, according to the article anyway, shouted, someone needs to get his sperm. Like, uh, imagine, you know, just uh, wh- wh- like no one knows where thoughts come from. Come, no one knows where thoughts come from. Where the hell did that thought come from, right? And uh, and so they did. And now there's a five-year-old girl, uh, you know, some some woman who wanted to have this man's child. He's dead. He's been dead for I don't know how many years. I think 120 years or so. Um, it's 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 amazing. Like what technology can do to create life but it's it's this kind of stuff that it's like it's hard to quantify you know it's easy to go into a lab and say you know let's take some sperm let's take some eggs we'll mix and match them together put them in a lab in a you know freeze them somewhere or whatever and then boom IVF and you've, you've got a child that's amazing right but the fact that you there's like a there's like a don't tell me how you feel but there's, there's like a piece missing to your life is that is it like an empty feeling is it um is it painful is it what what how would you describe this um i wouldn't say it's painful but an empty piece yeah and and like some Find the strength of living in this world. Find to ground my existence in this world. And this was also one of the reasons that I decided to confirm the marriage. So you wouldn't, would you share your identity with? Um, I, it's still anonymous, but I think like if the same children go to the database that I'm in, they would immediately see that I'm, I'm connected to them biologically. Because yeah. um, I'm already like inside the system to yeah. for others. So you you wouldn't want another person to deal with what you're dealing with as a parent, right? Just as a third person. Um, for completeness. No. I, I think I would. I wouldn't want to have other other people going through this. I wouldn't oh. say that it's like why why is that? Because it makes you special. It makes you how so? It makes you <coughs> makes your history 
becoming part of your identity? Of course. And but how does it's that? A, it's an icebreaker. It's <laughs> it's yeah. It's something that inherently becomes you more special than the other kids at your school. You become a heterosexual couple, um, in those case, in his or hers entire culture. Mine is just more innovative, more complex. I, w- I, w- I would agree with the latter part of what you said, but the former, I mean, I, I look at everyone. Look, I, I see you, right? Uh, the reason why I was so excited to have this conversation is because, look, we all wake up in the morning and we carry all our sort of psychic baggage from wherever the hell we came from, all of us, right? And yet we go out into the world anyway and we try to make the best of it. Struggling along as we do in our journey towards death. <laughs> but you have this this strange twist that, as you said, most of us don't have. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I have a little trouble sort of making a, a hierarchy of, of existence here. Right? Like for me, it's all it's all it's humanity f- across the, the entire spectrum. Right? Like you and I are are different, clearly, but. What, to me, what what makes humanity so special is that we all share very fundamental things. And then, you know, everything else built on top of that, you can do it whatever you want, right? Like, you know, the fact that you and I, for example, that we need to eat to survive is already a wonderful thing because now we can, we can both share something have a you eat meat do you okay so we can have a we can share a hamburger together and talk about life and not even notice that like at the same time we're both experiencing the same damn thing right that yes it nourishes us but god it is amazing and it's nostalgic so good we can obsess about the food together right and we can say oh wow this this cooks so nicely and like to share the same experience that's that's a taste literally a taste of the universe now so I don't have a little trouble digesting someone saying it makes you special. I don't know. I I, I feel like. But yes, it's a great it's a great line. <laughs> it's a great pickup line. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I feel like um. <coughs> I was special enough by the family I grew up into, and yes. it just made me crave to be special in every other aspect. And this journey or this chase for for someone to be special in everything that he does is something that I wish for someone to have as well. Interesting. It makes you it makes you feel like you you need to be here. You need to live. And but do you do you not think that all of us, you know, normies, don't feel the same? Um. We have quite a lot of evidence to suggest that we should just check out, but we continue to live anyway, right? Yeah, but I would say that for people that grew up and like had this journey of life, like as I would, would not necessarily want to be special. Hmm. And I feel like 
you you is describe the I guess the relationship with your with the half sister that you found. Yes. Did she also uh, grow up in a in a gay household or she? No, she was born actually to like a, a single mom. Wow. Um, so the difference was very, very big. Yeah. Um, but still, the there was no male figure to her life. Her life, I should say, the woman. Yes, yeah. but also she's she's a woman, so mm. it's a bit, it's much different. And does she share this this um, search for her father? Does she also look at the street and look at look for people that she? Not often. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I I don't necessarily look for for knowing who this person is and talking to him. I just want to see just want to see something that would like close the loop something that would mm. verify i don't know but my sister but there's also something kind of like self-perpetuating about this whole process right you have this thing where you don't know who you're you don't know who to confirm that anymore yeah and but yet you're you're, you're curious did search for this person, and you you're out there looking in the street. Maybe this is the person. Maybe this is my sister. How do you know? Right. But if you find out, then that's sort of a. I suppose you can continue to ask, what is this? What is this person's background? Where do they come from? Yada yada. Although you can do a DNA test and find that out pretty quickly, right? Um. So, do you want it to end? Do you want to find your sister's twin brother, or? I just want to. I just want to know like how it ends. <laughs> but no, no, no questions. Not that I, I, I know that he was a like a med student. I know that he was looking very much like my mom, in terms of uh, like characteristics of uh, like blonde, mm-hmm. blue eyes, pretty high. Ashkenazi, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ashkenazi. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that we know his phenotype of like how he looks like a woman. Yeah. But I feel like the person I would be making sure, like, that I know that he's the person that. Yeah. I would know. I would know my religion. I would know that this is a living person that I was born like from his body. Mm. Um, just make make everything more humane. Just something that wishes to happen. Mm. So in in this in this otherness that you describe, it's is there a sense of you that's kind of doubtful that yeah it, it is kind of mechanical right like it's confirmed it's extracted it was went through a process there were needles involved not you know sex between a man and a woman or passing love and all that stuff it was a bit more sterile in that sense yeah and you want to think no no i don't care i don't human. care like the process i don't care like it's either, yeah, it's, I don't know, like, they're 
women that get pregnant by being raped. They're yeah. I don't care what the process is. I want to know that the intentions are good. Mm. But how would you how would you just gather that from a picture of that person? Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of frustration in uh, looking at porn that I don't want to look at. Really? Yeah. And seeing people presume yeah i like do you enjoy going to museums or art galleries and things like this um i don't know <laughs> i i like talking to people i like mm-hmm. like trusting my gut and my feelings whether people are are saying good or bad like whether they're good or bad like i yeah. have this simmers Every time I'm walking, like, on the street and a man or a woman crosses me, like, if I get this simmer, like, I'm afraid of this person. I get the feeling that this person is not someone that I want them to Mm. hurt me. Um, And I feel like it's sort of like an instinct that I have. And that's just by looking at people into their eyes? You, have you felt this way since you were a kid? Or is this something you've, you've uh, developed later on? It's something that I can I have since I was a kid. Um, mm. This extra sensitivity sensitivity to to people and to especially people who have hurt me or my loved ones. Uh, I, and that's probably from the bullying. So you you would walk into a class, a new class every year, and you could just like scan the room and say, potential asshole, good person, yeah, and easily influenced, yeah. And I was sort of naturally or instinctive, instinctively um, going away from the people that I, I felt like they had a potential to hurt me. Yeah. So and were you right a lot of the time? Okay. So I <laughs> maybe I shouldn't look into your eyes then. No. <laughs> um so you're also gay. Yeah. And this was uh, one of the f- I think the most thorny issue or the, the the issue that you were most concerned about, right? Was your sexuality as a result of that people would misunderstand that your sexuality is tied to growing up at a gay household. Or or perhaps not. I have no idea. Like it, it wasn't exactly clear from from the way you described it. Yeah. I feel Did you did you did you have a sense that you were gay? I mean you, you didn't ha- you didn't grow up in a house with two gay men. Right? I suppose, uh, but tell me if I'm wrong. I mean like there weren't like you didn't obviously didn't grow up with a two gay dads, but were there gay men hanging around your house a lot? Okay. Um, my non-biological mom had um, two brothers. They were both uh, gay, and she died from AIDS um, just in the, in the middle of the pandemic mm. uh, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was uh, also gay, but not born yet. And 
and the family is very, you know, <laughs> gay friendly and there's a lot of gay there's a lot of gayness in here. A lot of it. <laughs> and I and I love it and, and sure. just openness and yeah. liberalism and yeah. And it's great. And it's really made me And also on, on your other mom's side? On the other mom's side it's a bit more traditional, a bit more like patriarchal. Okay. But everyone were super accepting of of her and um my other mom. Mm-hmm. Um but so yeah. So you did see both both. Yeah, yeah, no, that was great. I did. Okay. Um but I feel I I, w- I wasn't sure and I'm up until up until now I'm not sure if what impacted me more, like my own desire to be be gay or the fact that society always told me like I need to be gay or I am gay like throughout all the bullying at school everyone told me I, I was gay because I was hanging out with with girlfriends yeah because I didn't know anyone else and because I grew up to a gay family I necessarily need to be gay and Like a, like in as a teenager, I wasn't sure what I was necessarily. Well, uh, I, I, listen, I have no idea what it's like, obviously, and uh, it's it's been this like secret wish of mine to you know have a gay person ask away, you know how 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 the how does it all work, right? But you know we we go through similar processes, right? We 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 mature sexually and we. We're attracted to one sex or the other, I suppose, right? Or not? Uh, yeah, but I feel like society can really convince you to be one thing and not the other. But, okay, sure, I guess. But, I mean, we still have to have an attract. Like, I, I, I don't think we're in control of what we're attracted to, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's always... I don't know, like, the scientific answer. Yeah. Um, my family always always told me that they knew I was gay really early on, really young. No kidding. But I I don't know if it was the case. I don't know if I had, like, a sexuality that <laughs> triggered that. How because I was, just because I was, like, extra sensitive boy. Yeah. Yeah. Did not trigger that. Did you did you ever have sexual interactions with girls? I claimed that I had with some of the girls just to make me feel like I was getting like standards. Mm-hmm. But never did. But never did. Well, doesn't that say something? Um it does, but also I don't see like masculine masculinity as being the most desired I, I struggle I struggle with the world with the word like man mm-hmm. or to be masculine is sort of not a good thing in my opinion. It's not a good thing. Yeah. So because because I got a sense 
and I felt that men weren't necessarily the type of people that could hurt nor be benefit others. And it's also, I think, like one of the reasons when I didn't have this interactions with social sexual interactions with women because I didn't want to get hurt. Or I just, I was, I was, and I'm still like extra sensitive to um, sexual harassment and sexual assault. Yeah, by by men necessarily, but not all sex between men and women is is is, is harassment and going to die. I mean, most of it is is love, right? Yeah, it's all. <laughs> we're not all terrible, man. Yeah. But when when you were 12, 13, 14 and becoming a s- sexually active your fantasies were more about men, women, both. Uh, for me it was it was one w- one way street. <laughs> yeah. I don't th- I don't think that I had any Really? I I started having this Women first, like seven, but then like the actual experience of having sex with women is later. But so yeah, and I but you enjoyed it with men? Uh, not at the time, but I I do now. In the end, I I, I did. Yeah, I guess it's also what's so um, interesting about it is that so you think the prejudice that you have. Men are more dangerous, and and want to be a bit more cautious and protective over women. And yet you do <laughs> obviously you 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 mate with men. Yeah, and you are you af- are you afraid of getting into a relationship with a man and then this person might. Sensitive as you are, and with your story and with your background of being bullied and stuff, like, does that ever concern you? Does it concern you? Not now, because I'm in a relationship with with someone for the past three years, and she's Mm -hmm. amazing. Okay, so you guys live together? Yeah. How's that? something that I was I wasn't sure if I would feel comfortable with living with a, a man on the same path and still feel like comfortable and and able to express my masculinity while also feeling um, afraid to not show it. Do you is th- is this your first male roommate? Um no I have a I'm not I don't want to call him just a rumor, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. First time he's living with a man. Uh, <coughs> no, it's uh, the second time. But and the first time was also a partner, or yeah. Okay. Um, and have these guys changed your mind about a lot of us, or does he still? Uh, 
<laughs> we still pose a great danger to each other. Eh, some of us. <laughs> some of us. Also, like, as a, as a gay kid, um, being exposed to, like, you know, um, dating apps and stuff like that, um, it's not something that is typically the healthiest being exposed to the bad stuff. Yeah. Men. Honestly, so I had I had a gay roommate when I first moved here as well in Tel Aviv. And he would show me some of these app, uh, apps and dating sites. And it's it's nuts. It's 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 so graphic and so <laughs> and it's so aggressive. It's validating some some of your concerns that I had towards the Yeah. towards yeah. men. Are you were you on these apps before? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I met. I the only I only asked because I met my wife before the separation process. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, <laughs> I, it seems so, I don't know, stressful. So, just like another app that you've got to monitor and yeah, yeah. And it's like this podcast is is about like impact of technology in in people's lives. Yeah, and I think the impact of dating apps on on people's lives is not not good not good do you have friends who are still on this app uh yeah and and they're still complaining yeah about it what are the what are the top complaints that you see there that no it leads it leads to sort of like a burn a burn for life burn for life yeah. <laughs> why what what happened because there aren't really good people there. There aren't really people with good intentions, like in these apps. And you're sort of like getting exposed to a lot of like the bad side of of oh. like how sex, how sexuality can hurt someone. Got it. And you can set this fire every once a while without going without yeah. recognizing the other. Because some people are out there looking for love, yeah. and if someone betrays that trust, right, and someone puts themselves out there and says, "I'm looking for love," and like, yeah, me too, and then they just have sex and then they forget about it. Like, I can I can see how that can erode people's faith in in love, yeah. right, and a love that that will sustain itself over the course of their entire lives. Is and and your friends are. Dealing with that, they're getting jaded. They are, or they're just saying like, it's not. It's not the place to to hang out on, like if you want to find a relationship. It's just connecting more the dots between self harm and and lack of understanding of like just looking at people uh, as dolls or sex dolls to get sexual satisfaction. Right. Which no one no one wants to do with their partner. Yeah. I mean sometimes, right? But if you really ask them, you just want to be treated as a piece of meat, man or woman, they'll say no. It's like no, no. As we as we said, right, we exist. We're alive. Like we we have souls, we have feelings, we have emotions. The worst thing in the world is that someone looks at you and says, "Just another app." Yeah. 
um, for who you really are. Yeah. Give me a deep breath. But that could just be me, right? Or or, or us. Maybe we're too old. No. no <laughs> I, I feel like the <coughs> statistics of just having a lot of people with bad intentions in one place is higher in the past that rather than like here still and nothing well because you then you can't use your eyes to see green if this person is good or not no seriously yeah. right i mean you don't get input yeah well you kind of do right people develop the skill of screening people based on the conversation that they have online virtually but there's so much information we can see through gleaning if we just actually were putting these folks to talking to them and even even then like when you're having a date with this person you know th they might get be constantly interrupted and be paying more attention to their phone a few minutes at a time so you even that like the process by which you are Trying to figure out who this person is and, and do they share the core values that you do that you can then share a life with this person. That process gets interrupted by other aspects of the day in the middle of the day. How did you meet your um, boyfriend? Through, yeah, through a date. <laughs> yeah, and I. You fucking hypocrite. I am. <laughs> I am. Um. He was looking for, like, more settle. He looked. He looked to settle, like, and finding like the partner for a while. How the hell did you convey that though in the in the chat? Um, he told me. He told me that he was looking only for a relationship, okay. necessarily like anything like that. <laughs> um, and I wasn't really too. I wasn't looking for that at that point. Like, I but you trusted this person with it. Okay. And he trusted you. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> I at least have the moral high ground to say that I didn't I didn't find my wife through this bitch, but you <laughs> And it it wasn't something I was totally proud of. Like Wow, whatever. I suppose Th this is what makes it so hard because there are actually like uh, my cousin met her husband um through one of these apps and they're amazing together. You know, they're not black and white. But you know, like again to go back to how we started, like there's so much change going so happening so quickly now. And this just this stuff just gets loosed onto the world and we don't really talk about it. Like I was actually thinking about doing something like like a Ten Commandments for of um virtual communication. You know, because there are things that people do that are really annoying. Right, like we can reach each other so quickly at any moment of the day that any thought that arises to your head at nine o'clock at night, you can just say it's it's a work situation. Here, what what's the status on blah 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 blah, and uh, and like your your call to interaction. You know, it's nine o'clock at night. You just you want to unwind and and not deal with this shit. You know, so th but there are no norms around. No, there's no such unspoken code as we don't do that, you know. So I don't know. There's something been toying with in my head. 
So if you um you want to have kids? Yeah. We talk about this. What, what's your partner's name? Mesana. Mesana. Do you guys talk about it? Uh, yes. Um, how would you go about doing that? It isn't a very deep option. Yeah. yeah so okay. So I, um, I have I have a cousin. He's married. He has two kids now, and he always tells me it's very very expensive. But walk me through because I don't I don't understand how this works. Why Why is it so expensive? So. You need to find either, like, if you want to have, like, biological children, you need to adopt, mm -hmm. which also can be done by U.S. Mm -hmm. embassies. You need to find um, a surrogate, and you need to find an egg donor, and to create this circle of uh, support that would allow you to what do you mean? What does this circle look like? To have this relationship with, either a relationship or just like a conversation with an egg donor, mm -hmm. with like doctors who would actually do this IVF and then confirm the surrogate with the fetus. And you need a lot of moving parties in order to do something that a potential would be able to so there's there's the two of you yeah. you and Miss Anna you need a woman to donate her egg yeah and then you need you need a, a woman to, to actually bear the pregnancy yeah um, and then what and then and then she gives birth and then she gives birth and, and you have to pay this woman for her time and also, you need to take care of this woman to make sure that she's healthy, she's doing okay. And I really hope that I would have a relationship with both the egg donor and the surrogate um, that would carry the baby. And, and, and there's obviously a process uh, behind it. So, like, you've got to interview both the egg donor and, and the surrogate. And yeah. where where does this all? I would say that the egg donor could be a bit more manageable to do mm. um, than the surrogate. But isn't isn't the egg donor? She's in, in terms of both women. She's the more essential character. Yes. No. Uh, or tell me if I'm wrong. I wouldn't say so. Okay. I would say that the person that carries the baby is more more essential. I don't know if like essential is like the right word, but means a lot, means more to me in my context. Because as I saw, I feel like my, my biological mom and my non-biological mom, I appreciate them like both at, at the same, at the same level. Mm -hmm. And appreciating the surrogate carrying the pregnancy and being involved in, in this nine-month process is more meaningful to me than just um, highlighting the biological impact of okay. and also donating the baby. And the, and, the, and the surrogate, now that I'm thinking about this, like she's, she's 
is creating not only a physical bond, right? Growing inside of him. Crazy thing to think about, but there's a on top of that there's an emotional bond. Because he's going through this he's the one who gives birth to this this amazing experience to bring life into the world. And and some of even have to say he just died. So yeah, it's, it's you're right. It, it it is not surprising. Why the Galatus um, relationship like you kind of supports it. <laughs> have you have you started any of it? Uh, not yet. I I still need to evolve my life a bit yeah. until I'm 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 fully ready to embark on this journey because I think it requires a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of um, do you have any idea how much it costs? Um. I think it costs around uh, at least one hundred million. Uh, not not one hundred million. One hundred thousand dollars um, to make this happen. Wow. Um, and and you going to do it once, twice, or um, you can afford? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like three kids is the maximum. Uh, for for me. But also, I know that a lot of gay couples are necessarily wanting to to have twins at the beginning. Mm. Um, I I read a stat um, that there's 170,000 kids being raised by gay parents in the U.S. By I think it was 111,000 gay couples in the U.S. So that averages to about a kid and a half per couple. So I guess it's basically between one and two kids per couple. I mean, as you said, it's expensive. It's, it takes a hell of a long time. Like, there's all these other added loops to the story that you know, uh, like for hetero, for straight couples, it's. <laughs> I mean, just to make this um, slightly embarrassing, was when my wife and I decided we wanted to have kids. I remember the moment. Like, it was. I was I was trying to highlight how easy this is. Straightforward, that we were walking on our way to a party with friends of ours, and we had been married. Um, we had been married for almost for like two and a half years, something like that. And uh, and we were just walking, and she's like, "I just I want a kid now." I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. <laughs> You know, and then we, we try for three months, and she got pregnant. And you know, look for other couples, it's it's much more. There are other complications, but generally speaking, it's like we have to do this thing, and most couples, or a lot of couples, obviously, many of them. But for you guys, it's it's <laughs> hard work. Hard work, also. Like I'm I'm coming back to my point that it's really rewarding. Yeah, it makes your child extra special because mm. all the work that has been yeah dedicated to making right. this happen right so yeah if you're like envisioning like a, a spring like in the winter yeah this kid is having in a social point where time is like yeah in, in the life do you ever do you do you ever do you ever think about what kind of father you would be uh, yeah, I feel like 
I wouldn't be protective, but I would also be very skeptic about the world. I would be, I would let this person develop their own discipline that I I develop throughout the year. Yeah, but I would also feel really skeptic to hear him saying like everything is good, everything is good, it's good, everything is is fine. My yeah. life is 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 pitch perfect. Yeah, and it's not that. If he would say that, I would know that he's hiding something, because life isn't perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Also, <laughs> we were just <coughs> I was just in the rented house recently with Sam and Linda. <laughs> the first day we were there, I um, <laughs> I just I caught my kids in a lie, both of them. I, I caught my my two eldest kids, and uh, there's a there was a pool table there, a pool room, and they I go down there and I see that one of the pools is broken. What happened here? So I asked, I said, did you guys break this? And then they just, they both are telling stories that don't, they don't, you know, they don't, uh, they don't link with one another. Completely unsynchronized. And you could just look at their, like they were kind of looking like this, going, oh, you fucking kids are lying, you know? And, and finally they, 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 they uh, how would they come? And it wasn't exactly clear who was guilty because they were both guilty. This one told me to do this and I pushed this and whatever, you know? And uh, it's it's amazing. You can you can you. This is the cool thing about being a parent is that you can teleport your yourself back to when you were a child. You so you can see when they lie, you know, because they're terrible liars. You on the other hand, you you've got this uh, uber experience because you were able to lie in such a way that your your parents, like again, like you think they weren't able to pick up on the shit that you were going through every single day. So you're actually even more attuned to, as you said, right? You, you'd be very skeptical of, of the the stories that your child would tell you coming back home. Do you, again, it's, it's so interesting because we have no choice but to look at the house that we grew up in and copy what we like and, dis- and discard what we don't like sometimes actually we copy what we don't like as well and you have to see the value of it so that's the reference point that you you were that you had right that ultimate freedom like there was no disciplinary figure in your life are there other things that you sort of picked up on that um i feel like There was a lot of learning that happened. Yeah. And there was less, like, um, wanting for, for the kids to be like teenagers, right? To have those mature stories. And they just weren't taught to ask enough about their, not ask, but will be successful if you're not here. And if you're here, 
good and like and we want to be successful we will and they didn't push us to to do something um we didn't want funny because in my household the roles were in that sense they were reversed my father never pushed us to study anything that we didn't want to study he bel- like he i think you would agree with that he believed that people should do what they really like and are really passionate about whereas my mother was more i guess more conservative she was more she was always pushing us to do well academically um she was a bit angry that if we um if we didn't do well in school um even now like she's she's she has this Like this insistence on on um, how much are you saving money? You know, are you are you caring for the future? Are you you know are you earning enough money in your job and things like this? Again, a completely valid concern, right? Um, but it's just interesting that it it, it comes from it, it's a, it's a, it's an inverse, right? From the sort of not inverse, it's it's sort of traditionally known in most straight couples, sorry, sorry, straight families, um, families of of straight parents. Jesus. Too many fucking names to like list. Um, but you know that I'm I'm coming from a good place, so it's fine. Um, but uh, do did your sister? Do you think your sister came out the same way as you? Like with the same kind of um, respect or, or appreciation? Excuse me for the way you grew up. Really? Oh, I thought you were more liberal. Mm. Okay, good call. Good call. Yeah. Is she also gay? Bisexual. Bisexual. Okay. Does she have kids? It also reminds me of <coughs> a Tulsa accent that I really want to convert to that one day. But sorry, early 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 Jesus is just a not sure if ever children like feel like in their childhood or in school. years ago ever really felt like in my life that I started like going into therapy not because what I'm talking about now but more more because of like an event like that happened and I started like seeing a psychiatrist and and stuff like that and can you share a little bit about your Jesus story. It's a, a family event, right? And it was the first time that I saw like a, a psychiatrist and he was sort of like he was homophobic and this therapist? Yeah. 
homophobic Sort of claimed that all of the feelings that I was going through were because of the fact that I'm gay, because of the fact that I was born to two moms, and I feel like for a person to 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 be faced with this, I don't know, statement with this lack of um, sensitivity could be really like a big thing that would suck for the person. And then the psychiatrist also asked me, he's like, my sister has the same problem, problem as being gay or being not straight. Mm. Um, and it's also like w one of the reasons that I came to this therapy I had, but also something in the family that happened with me. Um, that if a homophobic person would listen to what you're saying, you would connect the dots and you would say that you're showing like some type of yeah homophobia. So, but even you yourself, you're not settled one way or the other, whether it's gayness and yeah, but it's something that I I should handle. I should sure. I someone else. I don't. I don't need to hear someone else talking about that. Sure, it's something that I need to to figure out for myself. Also, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, there are people that would give a shit. I suppose, um, you know, that, that that's actually not fair because say say you you were you were the case, right? That proved that homosexuality isn't something that that just happens in other species. Like it's it's a common thing. But let's just say that this is all socially constructed. I guess that would be a big deal for people who believe that homosexuality is a sin and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there's just so much evidence on the other side of that argument, you know? So, I was just curious, just <coughs> hearing this person that views moms as individuals. Yeah. Do you think... Maybe she she had such a sensitive part of your existence that and he's just asking questions. He's like trying to search through your life to piece together something. And he and he asks like a very provocative question. And you viewed it through the lens of Arvid Zajan for him. Or, or do you actually think this guy actually hates gays? Like, it, it could have just come out of pure, like, there are questions I'm sure that I ask. If someone were inclined to believe that I don't like gay people, then they might think, ah, here's the proof. He doesn't like gay people. 
Whereas I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what the right questions are. I just ask whatever comes to mind. But again, I see you as human, so we share a lot of things, and that's for me. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, do you do you think that? I mean, could it be? Could that be the case for this psychologist? <coughs> it could be, but there were some sentences that that I think it's it's really hard to sing that he's not from the church. Mm. Um, but I get your I get your your like what you're trying to say there. Mm. So, but your 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 the point though that you were trying to make was that all parents should take their kids to therapy. Not not all all kids, but only the kids that are going through some. Yeah, I, yeah. I would say that kids that grow up in in situations or environments that most of society doesn't get involved in. Yeah, yeah. They're special because of the environment that they grow in. Yeah. Should consider the consequences of how society would accept it and how these kids would feel about themselves. But again, like the self of belonging, the self of rejection. Yeah. And should have this consultation or this point of view from a professional that would either verify that they're okay or would identify some issues that would need to be solved over time through a conversation and would unravel from it. And I think it's not a responsibility that parents should by themselves. They should involve someone else in this process. So <coughs> this thing that you said about feeling incomplete as you walk through the door, <laughs> is that something that you articulated in your own mind or had you had some was sitting with someone, a psychiatrist say, and that emerged out of your conversation? I think it's something that emerged out of the conversation. Mm. Um, but it all made sense. And sure. it helped me reach this completeness. Or or like some kind of self understanding yeah. of what it is that you're doing. Like walking into the street and looking at people's faces. Look but looking at them. Not just not just actually setting my eyes on them but trying to extract pieces of myself in their faces. Do you still do that? Yeah, and I think like it's something that I would al always do. Mm. And uh, yeah, no matter like how satisfied you are with the environment that you're growing in, yeah, you're always going to look for something to complete. Something though, there's something 
dangerous, but you know, at some point you just want to be satisfied with what you got. No? Mm. Or am I looking at it from, from the wrong way? like if I can see like if you're reaching to a point that might just treat you like or you're supposed to feel like you're complete are you really complete or you need to go back there again to fill all those all these gaps because you yourself are completeness is not true to yourself and Again, I'm, I'm in this amazing phase of, of my life with amazing career, yeah. amazing partner, yeah. loving family. Yeah. But I am still not feeling complete because of myself. Yeah. Because of the way I I was born, because of the way I grew up. I also I think I, I may have I mean, the way I think I might have stumbled into why that question, the way I, the question that I answer, ask is, is, is what's wrong with it is that um, is the question in your mind like, am I, you keep talking about belonging, right? Being having a sense of belonging. And if you don't know who the, who the, who the, Burn there was, right? But if you don't know who that person was, there's a piece of your story that's missing, and it is that story that is the missing link to the rest of humanity. Is that is that a fair way of summarizing it? Also, maintaining the curiosity. No, no, I, 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 I was, I was trying to uh, put in other words why it is that you feel incomplete. incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would say that's that's one of the reasons. One of the reasons. Yeah. No, it's a big one. <laughs> yeah, one of the significant reasons. Yeah. There, there are others, but you. Like, do you, do you have these moments when you're just by yourself and, and those thoughts arise again? And they just take different forms. So that's one of the forms that they take. Yeah. Are there others? There are others. I can't say there are less. Um. It's, just, it's just so fascinating because I see a human being in front of you. And yet, you feel not all the way there to yourself. I would say that this is sort of like the origin. Yeah. And then there's like sub sub thoughts okay. that comes from, from this not knowing what my history is, not knowing my not knowing how I, I came to this place. Um Should I buy you a drink? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you do really go toddler when you're having this conversation right now? Do you, do you share it very openly now? <coughs> um, not enough. Yeah. Because I have like this own own world and inside me. Yeah. I bet you though if you do it, like most if not all people would get it. Very welcoming to hear you. Very very interested. Um very helpful, I would I would like to believe. Um okay, you <laughs> you have a different sense of how good and bad people can be, but I do I do get a sense that people would be very drawn to hearing your your life what you have to say about what that makes you feel like because you know as i'm talking to you i'm i'm also framing my own life my own you know what i had with my parents and how i am with my children um yeah the fact that you say that you have this feeling of incompleteness is weird because again, I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm we share so much. I find it, but there's that one big piece, you know, that's like, oh, and I shouldn't take that for granted. I think that that's the point I'm I'm, I'm getting at. Like, oh, I'm I'm very well fortunate, I suppose, to you would you view it differently, right? Where it's like you have this this existential question that you have to wrestle with, and out of that question comes. A deeper appreciation for life, um, and I guess what's cool about talking to you is that I can just brush it for for what two hours on this other topic, you know. But you carry this like every day, every moment of your existence. That's a <coughs> that's a great question. I think. Do you um? Okay, so what what would what would the things that because we all have this list about parents and things that you wouldn't do with them. So you said one thing was you would beat the hell out of you'd beat some kind of confession out of your kids. Okay, how would you do it? No, no, don't don't give me the story here. So what else? Or just not insisting for for the kid to to say anything, just maybe to direct them to a professional person. Yeah, that would. But how would you know it's a parent? Um, I feel like as soon as you introduce your 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 kid to other kids, <laughs> <laughs> and and they start to <laughs> develop this aggression of like this vulnerability. As soon as they are able to talk, and share their thoughts, that's when. Yeah. Do you do you ever think about um, having more women around? I guess you know your moms are there, your sisters there, but having them play a big a big role in, in your kids' lives, as like really some maternal influence in in your life.
think what's happening is that both branches will be equally impacted by this. Yeah. I mean, they'll they'll be there anyway because if you let's say if you have a baby in the house, you need some someone some experienced hand to tell you, hey, check the baby's tired, the baby's hungry, change the diapers. This is how you. This is what we did when we you know potty trained you or whatever. And you can read the stuff online, but it's better to talk to someone who knows how the game works. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll tell my friends like how amazing it will be if your kids have, <laughs> you know, relationships with grandmas and stuff. And uh, so, in any event, they'll be there, right? I wonder. I wonder what you think about that. Um, or or if you think. I don't. I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, yeah. That happen. But I would totally like have my foot in the door and enjoy enjoy the the thing in my life as as if it were Um, good question. I don't know. What do you think? Okay. <laughs> so, in the in the spirit of this conversation, I would say good. Um, and I would say thank you for um, making the time to spend with me, man. Um, got a boyfriend, got a job, got other responsibilities, and you hear me through. That means a lot. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, and then that now this is gonna sound a little crass, but I do actually, I always forget, but I should, I should obviously say thanks to Google. Thanks to Google, really? No, this is this is free. <laughs> it's insane. So uh, I'm really grateful that this this place exists. Um, all right, man, let's wrap it up. Good talking to you. Thank you.